Get ready for the world's greatest Arsenal podcast. Welcome to another podcast by Guns and Yellow Ribbons. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Guns and Yellow Ribbons, episode number 207. Blimey, where's the time gone? Uh, we are joined today by my good sidekick, my good friend, old man Trev. And we're doing a little bit of a crossover. We've got Burkamp Wonderland, Danny. Um, Danny's going to join us from Burkamp Wonderland. And we've got another Dan, but I'm going to call him Potsy, because that's what I call him as my mate, um, Potsy, from Lee Judges TV and, uh, well, his own channel. And he's originally started on here, Dan. Dan, uh, Potsy, we're going to call you Potsy from now on. It just makes it easier. How are you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm good, man. It's great to be back on. I love the podcast. I love you lot. And it's great to have Danny on as well. It's always good laugh speaking to Danny. And normally whenever I'm on, Danny makes me laugh. So it's nice to actually share a podcast with him where I can uh, laugh with him at the same time. But it's a pleasure to be on with you, uh, gentlemen. And I'm looking forward to tonight. Uh, Danny, how are you, mate? Uh, you got a second monitor all up and running, some fancy sound system and everything else now? Oh, you were here listening to uh, to me and Trev talk. Yes, it's uh, my mate Tony, West Ham fan, the one who come to the 1998 FA Cup final with me. He said, I've got to say hello to him. Hi, Tony. Cheers. He just spent the last two hours setting up my new monitor and my Bose sound, my Bose sound bar. But that was 30 quid. It's not new. I wouldn't spend buy a Bose thing for one. It's lovely to be here again. See, I'm yabbering. What you two need to do, or especially you, Fergus, you need to go, Danny, shut up. Like Carl does at my pod, otherwise, <laughs> you know, I'll be telling you what underwear I'm wearing and what I'm having for dinner and how my cats are. So I'm Danny, like, underwear? You, you I didn't think you wore underwear, mate. I didn't think you wore underwear. I thought, I thought, I thought it was all nothing from the desk, from the, the waist down. So. That's a good, I don't actually own a single pair. So this is why, uh, why, why me and Dan have a special, uh, special relationship because he knows all about what I keep in my underwear drawer cats. <laughs> <laughs> Potsy, uh, sorry, yeah, Trev, help me, please. <laughs> no, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just sitting on the side here listening to these great guests tonight. I'm looking forward to this. By the way, Fergus, you did say before we came on air, Trev, you do the comments, and as soon as we've come on air, you put a comment on the screen, Ferg. So you're in the bad books before we even start. But um, yeah, I'm looking forward to this, mate. We've got lots to talk about tonight. So, mostly Arsenal related because we're an Arsenal podcast, but there's one or two things in football in general I'd like to touch on tonight because not because it's football in general particularly, but because it affects our great football club as well as every other club. So, yeah, looking forward to it, folks. Yeah, we're going to look at the, obviously the, the we haven't been on for a week, and in that week we've had two games. Uh, we lost uh, and went out of the cup in the semi final, second leg to Liverpool, and then we had the weekend where we had that Burnley defeat. So we we will touch on those. But the other topics that we want to go through um, are we're going to touch on Granite Shaka. Uh, we're going to look at Lacazette um, as a, a, a point man. But we're going to the Burnley game in, in a little bit more detail. Um, and the aftermath of the Burnley, Burnley game, some booing, uh, the referees and, and, and how the referees uh, go and Arteta. And the Arteta discussion I'm looking really looking forward to because uh, myself and Dan have had a couple of chats on, on the phone recently and our opinions are different. But at least the, 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 the good thing is we, we share, uh, share our views and we respect each other's views and, and we debate it sensibly, unlike uh, Twitter sphere and uh, Facebook sphere, <laughs> which is just nuts. So let's look at uh, let's look at Liverpool game. So the Liverpool game, um, we had, uh, well, we had um, not the best squad available. Well, I suppose it's the best squad we could have available. We had Ramsdale, 
in goal, Tomiyasu, White, Gabriel, Tierney, Lakonga, Odegaard, Saka, Smithrow, Martinelli and Lacazette. The bench was a little bit more weak. Um, but what did we make of that game? Uh, we went in there with a nil-nil, Trev. Um, a fantastic performance that we talked about um, uh, up in, um, uh, in, in Anfield. Uh, the build-up... The build-up of the Emirates. That's the build-up oh. of the Emirates, um, where they had the light show. The, apparently, there was there was a huge issue with people getting in. And I spoke to John Malone, and he said it took him. He missed the first twenty minutes of the game because there was a, an issue with the um, turnstiles, and because it was a different fan, a different crowd, everyone was on barcodes and everything else. So it made it a bit more difficult. So John Malone missed the first twenty minutes, which was the best twenty minutes of the game, Trev. Yeah, they only opened the turnstile 75 minutes before kickoff, so Arsenal didn't help us out there. If they'd have asked any of us, we'd have said it's a different crowd for a League Cup game and uh, you need to get them open earlier. But I, I was, before the game, I was full of confidence, boys. After the effort mm. at Liverpool and, and what we did, and we had our best back five out, we had our goalkeeper and our best back four, I really fancied us to win the game. I really honestly fancied us to win the game. Me too. As it turned out on the night, Liverpool were too good for us. They 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 beat us, and uh, we, we 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 lacked an outlet and we lacked a forward player. But overall, I think that we were beaten by a better side on the night. I'm gutted about it because we didn't perform to the standard we did up at Liverpool. With the effort levels didn't seem so high for some reason, but I really thought we were good enough to beat Liverpool at Emirates. I was I was actually for once in my life confident we would. It hit hard. Yeah, I know. I, know I, I, I spoke to you before the game, and we looked at the lineups and uh, um, Potsy. Uh, we saw Party because we all stand around the same sort of area before the game. We saw Party named on the bench. He had just flown in from Ghana after being kicked out of the Afcon, uh, and he, I think he arrived in the UK at twelve o'clock. What were your thoughts when you saw Party named on the bench? Forget about what happened and so on. But what, <clears throat> what were your thoughts? Um, this club are desperate for a centre midfielder. That's what I thought. Um, there is absolutely no other excuse than somebody to be that desperate to say, I know you've just got your ass off the seats of the aircraft, but now you need to go and put your ass on the seats of the subs bench because we're that desperate. And I <clears throat> am happy when Arsenal play Thomas Party. I quite like him. Not a lot of other Arsenal fans do think that he's a good footballer, but I actually think he's a very good footballer. I just don't think that we've seen the best of him in an Arsenal shirt, but there's other reasons for that. I think personally, when I looked at the team, Fergus, seeing Party on the bench was, was not a bad thing. Seeing the team, like Trev said, that we were what we went with, I think we were pretty confident with that team. I'd say it's near on us, full strength side. Without, um, I hate absolutely hate him, but Granite Chaka and Thomas Party are clearly the number one partnership in midfield. Um, so apart from that, everything's looking pretty strong in my opinion from that. And like Trev said, um, I was confident going into that game, thinking that we could take take them on because we we got the done the hard bit in Anfield with ten men. You know, I was thinking when Granite Chaka got sent off, here we go, this is going to be four or five now, uh, and it was exceptional defensive performance. It was a great managerial setup. It was tactically spot on after the red card, and that gave me the confidence going into the Emirates to think we can do this. 
Um, I was one of the fans, however, that did say, let's not start getting too excited on Liverpool's lineup, though, because without Mane, without Salah, they're certainly weaker going forward. But Jota's no mug and neither's Firmino, and they're very, very strong elsewhere. So this isn't, it wasn't going to be easy for me. Um, it was going to be the midfield battle that was going to be my worry, and unfortunately, I was right. And Danny, uh, that midfield battle, uh, Liverpool went through us like a hot knife through butter, really, didn't they? It was it was really irritating. I feel like I, f- I feel like I've been mugged off by the club and the players and everything because I was on the same old Arsenal three men in the mic with Craig and Chris, and I was saying what the the defensive performance we put in against Liverpool in the first leg, the attacking performance we put in against Man City when Pep said we were the best side, we should have won, only team this season to go to Anfield and keep a clean sheet. How often does Pep come out and go, they were the better team? I thought, you finally, all these things are coming together. And I said, we're going to win this game. I said 2-0. I was so confident. And when we started the game out, I tweeted that uh, Martinelli has had Terence Trent Derby on toast. He should just go back to singing. That's how good we were looking. And then <laughs> Klopp went... On the on the count Sign of three, lads. Let's start. <laughs> then on the count of three, lads. Uh, less of this rope of dope, and let's rip them apart. And that's what he did. He made us look like everything that we have achieved and everywhere we've come in the last six, eight months from the, after the first few games of the season. Everything we have built up, getting better here, better there, doing everything. It all completely fell apart and it was like everyone hadn't learned a single lesson from everything that Arteta was doing. And I don't know if you can put that down to the players, whether it was players missing, whether it was Arteta. I've I've got no idea what it is. But yet again, he's got another one of his um, party master plans. Bringing back when he wasn't fit against Spurs, knackered. And then bringing back here. What I mean, what what why, what were you thinking bringing him on? I mean, but, it was, but, it was Danny, work, what, was it? What could he have done? Because Granite Shaka like <laughs> causes an issue by getting sent off against Liverpool in the first leg. Shaka would have played, and you wouldn't mm. have had to have party on the bench. So yeah. you know, Shaka fulfilled. Well, he shouldn't have got two yellows in the first place. <clears throat> what ridiculous. party? The, the one of those. I mean, one of those bookings for party was was probably a yellow. But the considering he's really had a yellow, that second one shouldn't have been another yellow. If that had been any other club, I mean, it's like VAR. That that someone did a um. A, um, a GIF where it was uh, VAR and checking the club badge. I think it was a case of that with Xhaka and with Party and with so many other things that we've seen, which I know we're going to talk about later. But I was like Trev, I was so convinced we were going to win it and convinced we beat Chelsea in the final. And I feel, I feel Trev, let down and mugged off a bit. I totally, and, and to be honest, I was. I think that that feeling among the Arsenal faithful, some that were there and some some that watched from afar, because everyone was like desperate for tickets once we realised that it could be on, uh, and people who didn't uh, take the season tickets up and decided not to go to the League Cup semi final second leg, which would should have been first leg, um, wanted to get there. And on, on on Sunday, I think it type of played and gave, gave a bit of the atmosphere. But but Trev. Um, it was a different crowd. It was all down to the 12th man. We, we said it before the game. There was a huge dependency on us as um, Arsenal fans uh, to get behind the team. And for the first 20 minutes, you saw there, that, like you know, there was flags out and everything else. Everyone was standing. The noise was really loud. I got texts from Mike Feinberg in America saying that the atmosphere came across on TV is amazing. First goal goes in and the crowd just sat down and ate the popcorn, didn't they? Well, it was the, the, the crowd... Uh, Liverpool was a strange sort of crowd. Firstly, you know, the, the 
I've just got to mention something that Dan said there because Dan's dead right. You know, um, Liverpool had their two forwards missing, but they still had Jota and Firmino in the side. And personally, I'd give my right arm to see either of them two in the Arsenal team at the moment, with considering what we've got on our scoring record. So yeah, but as for the crowd, the, the crowd, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm going to have a little bit of it. Well, I don't know. I'm going to make a point here, and it'd be interesting to see what you lads say. Against the Liverpool game, there was a lot of lot of people got tickets that don't normally get tickets, right? A lot of youngsters. And there was obviously groups of youngsters that had bought tickets all over the stadium. And what they decided to do was they decided to do what it happens a lot, but not in these numbers. They'd all get together. They were, in front of me, there's three seats, Ferg, right? And none of the local, normal lads were in them. And by halfway through the second half, they'd text that many of their mates. I counted 13 lads in those three seats, squeezed in. And they squeezed season ticket holders out that were there. And it was just uncomfortable. So, And, you know, I know they want to be together, but, and I know that these youngsters will say, I'm an old man moaning. Well, yeah, maybe I am, but I've got a right to stand in my spot and I don't mind being squeezed a bit, but there's, there's well, a limit. You know, fans. That was just stupid. Yeah. Yeah, Danny, it was the, it was the same. Uh, Trev's in block seven, six, seven, sort of, and I'm in block five. And in fairness, I had my grandson with me, and there was me and my grandson in my seat. Um, but uh, in the row in front of me, where there's normally three seats, there was must have been eight, nine people in there. And it in the North Bank, it does feel like Nobby talks about the ground looked like a third empty. That, that third mate, where they were in the <laughs> they were in the yeah. clock end, and they were in the North Bank, and they're it's all insane. bunched into seats. Um, it, it was, the it, there's I'm so many from up top coming yeah. down. Yeah, that's and, and, and it, exactly. Yeah, exactly, mate. Nobby, the ground. Every ticket was sold, mate. And trust me, there were sixty thousand people in that ground. It's just that probably about five or six thousand of them from the upper tier decided to come and steamroll their way into the lower tier, which makes it a bit busy down there, you know. And uh, it's 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 all right. They're all with their mates, but there wasn't much consideration for any other people there, if I'm honest. But as, as you say, Trev, I don't mind because I, I like the atmosphere of it all being a bit bunched up and everything else. But it it was just a little bit excessive on Thursday night. Um, you know, I, I, there's there's some people that have got season tickets in other parts of the ground that have never been in their seats and they still come down the North Bank. We know them uh, with who who join us and they jump in with us. And there's friends of mine. I'll come along and say, Dan, can we squeeze somebody in between you and your dad? Yeah, it's fine. And and and, and that's how we do it. And everyone's okay and comfortable with them. But it it, it did get quite tight and uh, quite uncomfortable. Look, listen, um, the, the only thing I want to talk about on this, as we said, we're beaten by a better side. The party two yellows. Uh, Danny, you start talking about it. Potsy, can you can you give me your view on the party two yellows? Not the fact that he had to play because he came on with 20 minutes to go. I think that was just to try and see him, give, give him a bit of play time. I personally wouldn't have played him, but we didn't really have much of an option to change the game up, really. No, um, I, I disagree with what Danny said. I thought both of them were yellows. <clears throat> Excuse me. I thought they were both pretty sloppy, pretty late challenges. And I just oh, don't think the guy was fit yeah. enough. Um, you know, he came on and it looked to me as if he was knackered, didn't really want to be there and just thought, you know what, I fancy a break. I'm already on a yellow. There we go. There's me red. Off I go. Uh, and I'm not saying that's what happened, but it really looked like that to me. It just looked really sloppy uh, and really lazy. And 
It's not what you want to see from your senior heads, Fergus, and I've said this a few times, that there's ill-discipline within this squad, but it's not actually from the youngsters as you expect. It's from the senior heads. We've seen Aubameyang, we've seen Gabriel, we've seen Party, and we've seen Chaka now all lose their heads with discipline, uh, either getting sent off or by doing stuff off the field. Um, and that's worrying because they're the people that these youngsters are supposed to be learning slash um, bit of role models from. And we're seeing stuff like that happen. That is very, very worrying in this squad, in my opinion. And it's something that I think needs to change. 14 red cards under Mikel Arteta. What is that all about? I mean, that is unbelievable. I thought that was an exaggeration when someone said it. They're not like competitive red cards. They're stupidity. Oh, awful. And I just, I thought someone was mucking around when they said that to me. I thought they were just exaggerating and it was like somebody wants Arteta out, so he's just made up a stop sum. And I looked back and I thought, he's actually right. How the hell is he having two years, 14 but, but, players sent off? But if you, if, you, if you look at those red cards, those 14 red cards, some of them are double yellows. And if you think about how desperately we're, we were defensively, I was talking to somebody today about this, um, how desperately we were defensively uh, a season and a half ago. And you had David Louise and Shaka making last gasp, stupid tackles, giving penalties away, uh, you know, and, and making rash tackles where they didn't need to make tackles. And that's, I think it's just a whole totting up process. I don't, we're not a hard or dirty team. And I think that stat uh, uh, is a perfect example of the stats of the, the almost the anti-Arsenal media that goes on at the minute. And I talked about the negative uh, Arsenal media uh, and be it on podcasts, be it in on Twitter, be it in the publications and on, online. I do think there is a, a have a go at Arsenal and make Arsenal look absolutely crap uh, motive at, at the minute. Um, uh, Pot, uh, Trev, did you have anything to add on that before we move on to the Burnley game? Yeah, because I, w- I was going to talk about it in a bit, Fergus, but we've started talking about it now, so we may as well just spend a minute on it and close it out. Because all these red cards I've still been getting, yeah, I can take red cards and when 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 they're done, you know, when, when they're deserved or when it's a big tackle. But, oi, Fergus, leave that alone. So, but... um. <laughs> throw me right off track now, Fergus. Stop doing that. <laughs> but I put a post on Twitter this week, right, um, about Granite Xhaka, and uh, I just said, you know, with his history of red cards, does the risk of him getting a red card uh, outweigh the uh, the benefits? And and I let it go. I didn't comment on it because it was really interesting. There was, if I'm honest, in the main, people said that Xhaka is no good, and and we want red, and he's he, he's not good enough. Some people said that. He's unlucky to get his cards. Some people said that he's a good player. But when you look, right, at, at the red card against Liverpool, right, I can actually find a case for, for Xhaka getting that red card. If he hasn't got his history, if that had been Xhaka's second red card of the season, right, and it's a different player, you're saying, oh, he's had to go for that ball, he's got unlucky, right? Right? But then you think back, right, this is what this is what really really puts me off the man. You think back to the Leeds game, think back to well Dan and Fergie you won't remember it because you were trolled. But think back to the league game, right? Xhaka went in hard in a tackle. The ref never booked him, and the petulant man that he is went back ten seconds later and had another pop when he should have just walked away. And, and I've lined this up now because I just want to end this with this. We've got to be careful what we say. But seeing Xhaka in that game appearing to be determined 
to get a card. He got let off of a big tackle that he should have got carded for. Instead of walking away thinking, I'm lucky, he's gone back and had another pop, right? Did he want to get yellow carded there? Was there a reason he wanted to get yellow carded there? It seems very strange, very strange that after getting away like that, he got went back to try and get yellow carded again. The man's either an idiot or something else. And I'm leaving it at that because I'm in my mind up. I think we've all seen the rumours about Granite Chaka, so we won't go into that one too much about why he wants to get yellow cards. But I also say, Trev, why is this guy still playing? And people will say, well, it's desperation at the moment. But actually, why is he still actually at the football club? That's another question I'd like to ask the manager is, why have you stuck with this man and he plays every game? Because as far as I, I last remember, he threw the armband on the floor and told us all to F off. So I don't ever want to see him in the team again. And I know people will say, let it go, Dan, let it go. I can't let that go, I'm afraid. Sorry, I don't care if that makes me a bad fan or if that makes me deluded. I cannot let that go and he should not be playing in the side. So that's my if- remark to that. Trev, that's my response. If, Sorry if, to that. If, if you go and look at, um, if you look at uh, Trev's comment on, which is Hilsey Gunnar about um, Shaka, um, I actually commented and I copied uh, Shaka in saying the guy shouldn't been at the club since October the 29th, 2019. You disrespect our club. He may be a good uh, player and everything else, but you disrespect our club. You're done. Um, uh, I don't wish any ill will to him, to his family or anything like that. I'm not going to threaten him and, and and troll him like some of the idiots do on, on social media. I just don't want him playing for the, our club. Although, at the moment, midfield-wise, we're absolutely crying out desperate for somebody like Ranashaka, but better. Let's look at the Burnley game very briefly. Um, the starting lineup had no Tamiyasu. So we had Ben White at right back with uh, Rob Holding at centre back with five academy players on the bench. Looking at this lineup, uh, let me bring it up for you. Um, look, the bench was Leno Tavares Chambers. Uh, straight away, Tavares is okay, he's, he's closer to the first team than Chambers is. But then the rest, Eddie and Ketia, maybe. Uh, uh, the rest, honestly, uh, Charlie Patino, I, I've heard. I know I've seen him play and mispronounced his name several times. Um, but the other three lads, I, I honestly, I don't follow the, the, the unders that much. I didn't recognise them. And, and, and you know, w- what did we make of that game? When we look at the stats on that game, you know, we had 76% possession versus their 24% with 15 shots on target. Uh, sorry, on off target, five on target. They had one on target. I actually don't even re- recall what that one was. Um but they came with a with a a, a tactic and a tactic of of being brutal, uh, a tactic of being uh, very uh, defensive, not really coming out of the the back line. We had tackles like this from Westwood. We had tackles like this from Westwood. You know, the, the, and we will go into those in a little bit more detail. What did we make of it, Danny? What did you make of the game? I lost two hours. I was freezing cold, and it was awful. I was absolutely gutted. If you can't beat a team that have won one game all season, on course to be the worst Premier League team of Premier League history, who have just sold their only decent attacking player, and you still can't do anything. And it was the same old, I'm not Arteta out, I'm I'm just frustrated. How can you put on an attacking performance against Man City, one of the best teams in the world, and hold your own against Liverpool? and yet go out and, and smash Norwich 5-0, who are a better team than Burnley. Burnley obviously didn't come to play, but they were still attacking. There were still chances. How can you do all of that lot and then serve up that plate of cold sick, which is what we got at the weekend? 
it was constant passing back, constant doing. I mean, I said at one point, might as well have um, Danielson and Elneny in midfield. They're, they're passing back and passing sideways. The formation was wrong. You don't need to go with three, four at the back in, in something like this. You could have gone with three at the back. You could have gone with two at the back. They don't have a striker. They don't, they're the only player they've got who scores goals now is at the AFCON. And that's it. That's all they've got. We should have been peppering their goal. I mean, we did. We had 20 shots. I think maybe five or six were on target. And, and Lacazette didn't get a single shot on target. And you just look at all of that. And, and we're all scratching our heads thinking, I don't know whether to be furious, whether to turn this or whether to pull my hair out. It was so... It's just... How how have we gone regressed so far back? The five we've, the last five games we scored one goal. Five games before that we scored nineteen. It doesn't matter the opposition. How how does this happen? How is Arteta letting this happen? Injuries and all this stuff. Plus he only brings on Nketia. Tavares could have come on and done something down the left hand side. Martinelli was running on. I, I don't even know how Martinelli still in the last minute. Martinelli was tracking back and defending in the last minute. How can we have all these young players suddenly all go, no, not nothing's happening. I, I don't know what to do. And I, I've, I, I can't remember the last time I was that angry and that, oh, my God, I don't even want to watch this. I want to turn it off. Going before the Liverpool game, I was thinking, I want to go. I want to play. I see us play every day. I'm so happy. I just want to see more and more. And then I was like, no, I don't want to watch this because it's just infuriating. It's like having a small child where you're trying to explain to it something and it just doesn't get it. And you keep messing, uh -huh. messing up. It's just, you can tell I'm not even sure what to say about it. I'm just so angry <laughs> with it. There's no need for us to be this shit. I uh, think, uh, Danny, try standing there in the freezing and cold for two hours. Uh, this is another reason yeah, why I'm glad I don't yeah. anymore to watch that shit and whilst freezing your tits oh, off. Oh, oh sorry, I've sworn too many. I've been throwing. <laughs> Um, Trev, you could you couldn't make it for, yeah. because of uh, the good old British Rail uh, are the, the the rail infrastructure having engineering work. So you had to sit at home and watch it on the TV. Was it as bad as it was for us there? Well, I think I might make Danny even angrier now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I thought like the the glaring problem with the game was what we all know is a glaring problem. We had no central midfielder that was going to create, and we've got no striker. You see, we rely on. We rely on, really, to score our goals, we rely on our two 10 to 15 goal a season players, Saka and Smithrow, right? They're not prolific goal scorers. They're not in the side to be prolific goal scorers. Now, when neither of them turns it on and gets in the goal scoring positions, has a bad game, there's nothing else. Lacazette runs his socks off. Runs his socks off. But he, ain't, he can't score a goal for fun. His finishing has gone to part, you know? And then if, if, if Lacazette ain't scoring goals, you bring on... Who you think is going to be your striker? So you bring Enketia on, and we're all on the floor because, to me, Enketia don't even look like he's trying. He's a young 20, 21 year old kid. He should come on with twenty or thirty minutes to go and fly around that field, ripping the turf up, flying around that field. But he ambles around and shrugs his shoulders like he don't care. And I'm sure he does care, but but he doesn't look like he does. You know. So the the problem for me is. I can't believe he bought Eddie on. He's got all them youngsters on the bench, right? Bring them youngs, bring one or two of them youngsters on. They that ain't beard bloke is fantastic. He's only eighteen. He scores seven goals in fifteen for the under twenty threes. The bloke is a is a monster. Yeah, but they ain't going to be any worse than what he, he keeps bringing on. He sticks with Enketia, you know, he's sticking with Lacker. I can get Lacker, but 
what's going on with Eddie, I don't know. But I, that was the problem. I thought that, I thought that defensively and, and, and coming out of defence, I wasn't upset. We just had no creation in the middle and we had nothing up front to aim at. Potsy, um, we're on the same chat group and, and I saw the comment by Trev after the game about why did you bring on Eddie? Why didn't you bring on one of the younger kids? And I thought at first of all, I thought, well, that's a bit of a, not a stupid comment, but that's a bit of a far left comment there from from um, uh, from Trev. But then he quantified it by saying that Eddie come on and he showed no desire, no commitment and just ran around for, he came on, what, 75 minutes, I think it was. And for that 15 minutes, he ran around like he'd been running for 90 minutes flat out. Where if you put one of those young kids on, they would have ran their guts out because it's their first and only chance to play for the Arsenal. And and and, and so. would you have tried that young lad? Um, what was his name? Begins with a B. Beareth. I saw the team, and if this was in April or if this was in March, we'd be going. Christ, I wish it was the January transfer window. Look at the state of this squad. And it is January, and it is a transfer window, but we would not know it because we've done nothing. These two have sat there and allowed this team to be depleted and essentially knocked us out of both cup competitions. We're very lucky that we didn't do the North London derby because it would have been an embarrassment. Um, I looked at that, Ferguson, for what can he do? Um, options are very far and few between. There's not much that I can look at there and say, what can he do to change that? Um, I would like to do something would have been the answer. Um, nothing was, was the wrong thing to do. Um, and people will say, we brought on Eddie. We brought on Eddie. What's, what's he bringing on Eddie for? Does he think Eddie's going to win him the game? He hasn't been able to do it all season. Um, people say that he hasn't been fair to some players. He's definitely been fair to Eddie and Ketia. It's the only player I've seen. I reckon he's the most used player, actually, in Arteta's reign. Um, definitely the, the most subs been used is, is Eddie and Ketia. Um, and when he threw him on, I thought, OK, that's obvious. We knew he was going to come on. We, he loves Eddie. Eddie's his favourite player in history. So we know he's coming on. So when he comes on, he doesn't want to play a 4-4-2, which I thought he should have done. He could have played Lacazette up top with him. Eddie was on the left for some reason. Now, it didn't look to me like Martinelli was out of his way. It looked like he was just getting, running around, showing a lot of intensity, which is what Eddie does, but just getting in the way of people and not really doing much else. Um, so that didn't work. So I thought, OK, so that's not work. What is he going to do here? He's still got some time. You know, it's nil-nil. They're definitely not a threat Burnley at all. So what can we do? What else can Arteta do? He's got Tavares from the bench, if he fancies a change of a substitution again. Or he's got Callum Chambers, who can come in at right back and allow Ben White to be pushed into midfield to get somebody on the ball. He's quite comfortable on the ball like Ben White is. Didn't see either of those options either. OK, He's not going to do that. I was speaking to my dad while I'm doing this. I said, well, what else can he do, dad? And my dad's like, I just don't think he's got much options from the bench. Well, he's got to do something because we're going to draw nil-nil um, and everyone will be wanting him out again. So what's he going to do? Well, you will. Well, I'll tell you what he could... Oh, well, no. <laughs> Listen, I already want him out. It's not me wanting him out again. I already want him out. There's there's just so many fan base that flip-flop and they want him in and out, in and yeah. out. They do the okie-cokie, don't they? So <clears throat> yeah. for me, I look at that situation and think, you've got Birif, you've got Amari Hutchinson, um, and there was another guy on the bench who apparently has been doing quite well. Danny will tell me. Alawusi, is it? Somebody like that yeah, on the bench. Like yeah. And all, all three of them are apparently quite sort of highly rated. So this is an opportunity for one of them to make a start. And this is exactly what Eddie Nketiah did. He, he made himself famous by coming on against Norwich in the League Cup, scoring two goals and getting us through to the next round. So I expected to see something from Mikel Arteta and I saw absolutely nothing. And that, to me, just proves 
why this process is not to be trusted. And it's just more evidence that I can start to look at and say the owner has potentially given loads of money into this club, which I still don't think is his money. I think that he's allowed money to be spent. But I don't think it's come out of his pocket. I think that he's allowed money to be spent. But we have just got a lot of inexperience within Arsenal Football Club right now. And that showed on Sunday from the bench to the manager to Edu as a director of football and to the uh, Vinay Venkateshams and Stan Kroenke's and Josh Kroenke's at this club. And I think once you get all of them in one room, inexperience is the perfect storm for disaster. And we're certainly looking closer to seventh than fourth the way that we're playing. Uh, it, it, it depends on whether you have a half full or half empty glass, and we'll get into that sort of debate uh, shortly. Uh, because you know, if we win our game in hand against Wolves and we beat Tottenham in the North London derby, where uh, results gone the right way, we're four points clear in fourth rather than the seventh that you talk about. Um, before we finish up on that game, um, I, 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 to be honest, I, I thought that Arteta was on a hiding to nothing with that game. Um, with having the 11 players that we had starting and only having maybe Eddie on, on the bench, I did look at the options that you, you and your dad talked about, about bringing Tavares on, moving Ben White, moving people around on the pitch that they could do. Um, and I probably would have gone for that, that route rather than uh, bringing Eddie on immediately. Because um, that could also have allowed you to push Odegaard up the pitch as well. Because Odegaard in that deeper role is not as effective as he is further up. I I, I would like to add as well, Odegaard, I, I've been watching him more and more over the last few games. And that guy is growing and growing and growing as a player. Um, Trev, could you see Odegaard being a future captain of Arsenal Football Club? I think we've got a few players that can be future captains of Arsenal Football Club. Um we, we need one on the field. Now, we've got Lacker, and Lacker does. I don't like people to think I'm getting on Lacker's back all the time because it sounds like that. I actually like Zach Lacker as a person, but he, he's not. He doesn't. He's a striker, and he doesn't score goals, and goals win football games. He's our captain at the moment. I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see that change. I'd like to see one of these younger lads given the responsibility, whoever it is. We've got three or four that could do it. Give them the responsibility of captaincy and see what it does to them. It may well make them a better player. And what we need at the moment is younger players getting better, getting better. The younger players we had on the bench against Burnley, to me, it's obvious that that Arteta doesn't trust them yet. Otherwise, he'd have brought them on, you know. Maybe that we, we had no numbers, so they had to be named on the bench, you know. And, and that just brings us back to, to what Dan said and Dan rightly said about us being so short of numbers. Um, I can't believe we've let one or two players go on loan or whatever because because we just haven't got any central midfielders. I'd love for us to... I don't think Maitland-Niles will ever be good enough to be a regular pro at Arsenal. But so how many games would Maitland-Niles have got in the, in the last month? He'd have started every game in right-back or central midfield and he'd have done a great job. Yeah, but well, that, we might differ on that, Dan, because whether he did a great job or not, sometimes he did, sometimes he didn't. For me, he wasn't quite good enough for the Arsenal. But nevertheless, we need a player like him at the club right now. And and then, see, Dan's got me on this chain of thought. Have we let all these players go because our owner is saying we need to cut the wage bill? You want to bring a player or two in, you've got to get rid of them and you've got to get rid of them now because, because I'm not spending any more money. We don't know. We speculate, right? We speculate. We haven't got a clue, right? But we speculate. But I am shocked that we've so, we've had such a clear out and our numbers are so low. 
I mean, even with all our players fit, we've only really got three central midfielders, haven't we? We've got Xhaka, who's a time bomb. We've got Party. in fairness, has been improving recently and looking a bit, class, bit of a class player. And then we've got Lukonga, who's only learning the game. That is our three available first-team central midfield players, isn't it? The ones you would want to see play. I think if you look at our squad, we probably, where we might have a squad of 25, I think if you look at genuine first-team contender players, and even with the younger ones, and if you factor in Inketia into that as well, and El Elneny uh, and Pepe, you're probably looking at 15, 16 players is what we've got. We don't have. We're a good 10 players short. Um, and and, and uh, like Dan and, and, and myself have different views on, on many things, but... Uh, Potsy, Dan, I mean by this, but um, I, I have to agree that where you've been calling out Arteta and Edu over this transfer window uh, has been spot. At, at first, I thought you were a bit premature, but here we are with seven days to go and we're six, seven players gone and we haven't uh, backfilled those players. We haven't got good enough players coming through the youth uh, to, to backfill either. It's just... It's just ridiculous. Can I just bring something up quick, for Because uh, I, it's on touch. Really. It's two things. One thing Trev said, which was reminding me, which I think is something that no one's mentioned, which I really do feel sorry for a player at the moment. Sambi de Conga. <clears throat> I feel so sorry for this young lad. He's 21 years old. His first season at Arsenal, in my opinion, played really well at the start of the season when he was thrown in, when we didn't have the likes of yeah, um, players really. Really like the lad. I really like his forward passing. He anchors the midfield quite well. And he's definitely learning and has got a hell of a lot to learn. I look at him at the moment and think how cruel that he has not been able to be guided. Everybody that he plays next to is getting sent off or everybody that he's playing next to is a young kid younger than him. And people keep saying he's not having a very good game. He's not having a very good game. Well, I saw him at Anfield and I thought he was shambolic in the first 10, 15 minutes. And my God, did he pick it up? And I think he deserved a lot of credit for it. Never got credit for it. In the in the game at Emirates, he played an unbelievable pass to Lacazette who ballooned it over the bar and nearly hit me and Rosette. Unbelievable <laughs> pass. No one said anything of it. I think the lad deserves a lot more credit than he's getting. And I honestly don't look at players like that and start pointing the finger because he's 21 years old he's highly rated he's got more potential in my opinion than a lot of the players in that position that have come through I've not I, I was no nowhere near as bad of a, a player in Gwendoos as a lot of people liked but you know he's another one like that who's come in that we should be bigging up and giving a lot of hope for and I've just felt sorry for the lad he's played alongside Charlie Patino and tried to guide him through a game at Nottingham Forest which is a shambolic decision to put him on as a de full debut I just feel sorry for him massively and I don't think it's been touched on a lot at all. And the other thing about this transfer window that I can't get into my head is I have actually got nothing against the players that have left this window in terms of the players that have been loaned out or sold. I've got nothing against that whatsoever because all of them are dead wood, yeah? Even Maitland-Niles and Pablo Marie, we don't want them here long term. But you cannot sell players when you have nobody in place. We have got players at the moment and I'm going to name them quickly, that would have done a job against Nottingham Forest or Liverpool over two legs. Gwen Doozy, Torreira, Maitland-Niles, William Saliba, even Hector Bellerin when we haven't had a bloody right-back. Pablo Marie, Balogun. There's seven players there that are out on loan. I know what you're going to say, Ferg, but they're, 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 just let me finish the point. There's seven players yeah. out there that have not been replaced. Whether you think they're good enough or you think they're dreadful, I think half of them are dreadful and need to go. But they would have done a job. Now, it's fine getting rid of seven players on loan if you do not bring seven players in. Unfortunately, as much as we all hate it, they have to stay and do their job because we need them. 
Balls to Jose Mourinho, who needs a player in Maitland-Niles, who apparently got man of the match playing at right back at the weekend. We need him here. I'm sorry, Ainsley, if the deal was for you to go, you can go, mate. But it's going to be the end of the window once Forrest and Liverpool's over, and then you can do what you want at Roma, I don't care. It is shambolic, it's incompetence what's happened this month. There's no defending it. I don't, I don't care whether you're Arteta in, Arteta out, Cronky in, Cronky out. This is indefendable, mate. It's incompetence of the highest order. No, no. I, listen, and, and and I do get that point. The only thing I'd say of, the, of those seven players you named, Torreira doesn't want to be in the UK, and uh, Saliba has never played in the Premier League. So those two, I'd, I'd say the five. I'd, I don't rate Guendouzi, but I'd say the five. I'd, I'd, I'd give you um, something to say, Danny. What 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 do you make of what um, uh, Potsy has said there? Who? Where does that blame lie? Does it blame uh, blame lie at Arteta's? Uh, feet, or does it lie further up the food chain? For me, I think it's further up the food chain. Edu, Cronkies? Well, if I could, I'd, I'd stand up and applaud Dan for that. Uh, to to uh, start that out a little bit, the transfer window opened on the 1st of June 2021. Since that day, beginning of this current season, 17 players have left the club permanently, 22 players have, have been loaned out, and we brought in six first-team players and one youth player. And so, and now, how can you let players go when, I mean, like Balogun, Balogun could play. Balogun's a decent player. He could have done a job like Dan was saying, add him to the list. And, and, and uh, Maitland-Niles could have filled in all those positions. And when you look at it, we, we give Edo grief because Edo doesn't seem to be doing his job. He's having six holidays every summer. But the summer transfer that we just had is one of the best in, in, in so many years that I can remember. Absolutely 10, almost a 10 out of 10 transfer window. But then we we looked at the uh, Real Madrid wanted sixty million for Erdegaard. We waited, we waited, we waited. We got him for thirty five. Maybe that's what Edu's doing now. But at the moment, you cannot let players go and leave massive big holes in the first team. Having to call up five players from the under twenty threes. Most of them were seventeen, eighteen, nineteen year olds. One of them has played for the first team. The other four have not not a single second of first team football at Arsenal or anywhere else. And you've got all of those on the bench. Our players are knackered. They've played a load of games in a busy period, and then you make one substitution when you could have made three. And that just that just shows that that Arteta is maybe making it. You know, like players do, and managers do. They they make statements like bringing Klasnich on in the ninety fourth minute or something like that, making a statement, going, "Well, this is all I've got. This is what I need more stuff." Now we all know that Kroenke only really gives a Stan only gives a shit about only gives a damn about his LA Rams. He's recently got a nine hundred million dollar fine. From the NFL for not for um, he's had to pay all the relocation costs and I'm not an NFL I don't know it all I just read a little bit about it that nine hundred million dollars do you know about it Fergus Uh, it was the Rams were at St Louis and then he moved to moved them to LA because yeah they they got a new stadium a five billion pound stadium Trevor um, net thirty two players out since that transfer window stat that um, Danny was talking about thirty nine. No, thirty nine out, six and one in. Um, so oh, okay, net, 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 yeah, net. yeah, yeah, net thirty two. I have never heard that stat before. How does that make you feel and and think when you hear that stat? I'm getting really worried here because I actually agree with Danny and Potsy for once. Call blimey, stop press. Got to clip this bit. They're exactly right. You know what I mean? None of it. To use some of the words that Dan used, that Potsy used, 
All them players that have gone out, I'm not upset about any of them going. Not in the slightest. I don't think any of them really going to be good enough to play for the Arsenal. But if they're all you've got, if you've got nothing to bring in, then you don't let them go. You, you could because you have to use them, you know. So it, it is difficult to figure out what's going on. A football man like Arteta, I can't believe that that is Arteta's decision to let them go. But then we start getting into a whole new kettle of fish that maybe would be a, a whole podcast on its own. And you know, people people are saying, you know, like Danny Danny's mentioned, Balogun could have done a job. Well, do you know what, Dan? To be honest with you, mate, from what I've seen of Balogun this season, he couldn't, mate. Mm, you know, we shouldn't, have let him go. we shouldn't have let him go. We should have kept him because he's all we've got, but he couldn't do much of a job. You know, and then people have been saying, right, why haven't we brought Albamian back into the fold? He's been back from the African Cup of Nations. He, he, he would have probably scored. Well, no, he probably wouldn't because he hasn't been scoring for about two seasons, you know. Alabama Yang ain't going to make the difference. I wish he could. I hope I'm wrong, and he does, but he ain't, you know? So, yeah, it's such a such a difficult one to get your head around as an Arsenal fan. Why have we let all these players go and brought nothing in, you know? And, you know, you're talking about these players that Arsenal are trying to sign were being turned down by this lad, and there's a couple of other names mentioned. Just remember, that all those rumours, all that talk won't have come from the football club. Because Arsenal play their cards very close to their chest when it comes to transfers. They tell us nothing. That'll all be speculation. And a lot of the speculation is often right. But that speculation won't have come from official Arsenal football club sources. Mm. Do we think it's going to be the point where we're getting nobody in? Because we've got, what, six days to go? No, uh, we will. We're going to do no, Danny, we will sign a midfielder and a centre-forward 100%, but it's too late. The damage is done. It's, there's no rush now. We might as well wait till the end because there's only six days left. We've got no game until the window shuts. There's no point getting them in today or tomorrow. We might as well take our time now. The damage is done. We're out of the cups now. That's, the, that's on them two. I'm sorry, it is. I, I, think, I, think, we'll also, I think we'll also really bring in a keeper as well because we've uh, loaned out Hines as well. Yes. And Leno. Yeah. Matt Turner, like isn't it? New- Matt Turner's coming yeah. in. Gone to Newcastle. Um, just before you come in, on Trev, uh, Matt Roberts is in the chat talking about Torreira. I'll put up his comments, uh, but I, 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 somebody can correct me. I think factually he's incorrect in the sense that he says he disagrees with me about um, Torreira, that um, Arteta kicked him out for no reason uh, and, and so on. Uh, he goes into a little bit more on the chat. Um, I thought Torreira left under Emery's tutelage. Any That's where he started, he started playing him as a 10, didn't he? He okay. came high so, up I mean, midfield to break up play, and I think that's where the damage was done with Torreira under Emery. Okay, so it's it's not necessarily uh, Arteta's fault, and I'm not trying to defend Arteta, but I, I knew that he, he wasn't happy by the time Arteta in, inherited him. Lucas Torreira did doesn't want to be in London. He wants to be over in Italy. Yeah. And I think that's why yeah. he's over there. I think what my point was that if it's fine bringing him, getting him out, but you need a replacement. Not that I'd bring no, any no, of no, those I agree. players back. I, but, I yeah. agree. I agree. And, and look, Lacazette as well, we need to replace. We saw him on, on um, at the weekend. Uh, he he was playing so, so deep. And he's just got no pace or anything like that. He's so heavy-legged and everything else. And, he, and you mentioned earlier on about Martinelli, and I was going to come in then. But Martinelli's running right up to the byline, looking for somebody to cross into. Somebody should be on the penalty spot. And Lacazette is halfway between the, the, the centre spot and the penalty spot. Going, <gasps> he looked like me trying to walk up the bloody stairs. Honestly, it's unreal. <laughs> 
when you look at the fact that what, what Saka can do down that right-hand side, he's bombs down there, cuts in, and nearly every single time gets past his man. That is a dream thing to have for a manager. And then every time he gets it, turns players inside out, puts the ball there, and Lacazette's going, oh, one minute, one minute, has anyone got my inhaler? I love I love Lacazette, but he he cannot do the the ten the uh, the striker the ten and then go and get mid the ball like like Sanchez used to do. He he can, he can do one job. He can't do three jobs, and it's killing him as a footballer. He's had one goal in the last eight games, and that was a penalty. Trevor, so uh, striker. Trevor, one of the other topics that you uh, suggest that we talk about. Um, on this podcast was refereeing and we can tie it in a little bit with um, the Burnley game to use an example I did put up a couple of pictures of uh, Westwood uh, where he's uh, elbowing Gabrielle and nothing got done Uh, he's uh, made a tackle that I've seen a similar tackle on the Afghan tonight and it was a red card that studs up and he's gone straight into his leg Uh, if you want to see that tackle in real life uh, as it goes and hopefully uh, they don't cut us off but I'm going to play this and see uh, that we don't have to re-edit it out let's see what happens this is the tackle on, that Westwood does on Kieran Tierney that is absolutely horrendous and the referee did what Trevor? Well nothing you see you've got on to that right Ferg and, I, and that was awful and that deserves greater punishment but You've got you. I come to expect decisions like that now, and it's we all go on about it happens to the Arsenal because we're Arsenal fans, you know, and and we don't like to see it, and it does happen to us a lot. But I, I didn't think the, the the refereeing in this country could get any worse. I'd thought I'd seen that many abysmal decisions this season from the referees and from VAR and from the assistant VAR referee. I didn't think it could get any worse. And then I saw that penalty that Liverpool got against Palace at the weekend. And I thought to myself, the referee on the pitch hasn't given that. So those two clowns in that VAR box have got to have seen something that they really think overrules the referee's decision. And they called the referee over. I'm still, I still can't get my head around the fact that that can be incompetency. I can't believe there can be incompetency of that level within our game. And we've spoken on previous podcasts, all four of us, about what the possibilities are for VAR and what it can do and, and what it might do. And, and and that's starting to play more and more in my mind. Have you guys watched that penalty decision back? Liverpool against Palace. <laughs> it's, it's the worst decision I have, I've seen some awful decisions given against the Arsenal but I've never seen a decision that bad ever I can't think why on earth two FIFA qualified referees sitting in a box would think for a moment that's a penalty and it stinks we, off the we, said, we said with VAR it does give the opportunity for conspiracy. We wouldn't say anything more than that because that could be leave, leave us liable, liable. But, you know, I, I you know, it, it could conspire to change the, 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 the game. Potsy, uh, what's your thoughts on the refereeing standards? You look at David Coote and he was afraid to look at anybody but the fourth official as um, Pope took 27 seconds to kick the ball out at one point. Uh, um, 
uh, yesterday, and he started delaying in the first half. Listen, Ramsdale done the same thing when we were winning 1-0 up Burnley. I'm not saying our keepers don't and, and, and time keeping let your time wasting is part of a tactic of the game. But there is a certain point in time where a referee has to co- come along and say, Come on, guys, let's play fair. The guy behind me was going, Here we go, he'll get a yellow card in the eighty eighth minute. People know that the referees aren't going to do anything about it and they're just going to do a token to keep us happy because we've been going boo, boo, boo and 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 calling the referee uh, a coot. <laughs> I think what's funny, I think the funniest part about that, I did like that. I think the funniest part about what you've said there, Ferg, and the serious part of it is that we've all come to expect it, that in the 17th minute, Pope was taking forever to kick the ball out and time-wasting, and he continued to do it throughout the game. Burnley came, and they were physical, and they were very defensive, and they were low block, and they didn't let us through. Everything for me was really expected. The tackles are going to be flying in, they're a physical side, they are going to foul us because they're going to be too slow for us, and we're going to be too quick for them. Everybody expected this apart from one man wearing all black um, because well, he was wasn't green, expecting wasn't he? it. Yeah. Or was he green? Sorry, you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so for me, it looked as if it was just so unexpected for him. It was like, you know, was, no, nothing wrong with him. As far as I can see, you know, I've, tried, I've told him that he shouldn't go in that hard and I've told him that he needs to kick the ball out quicker. Um, well, he's not going to listen, ref, is he? As for VAR, I told you all it stands for very awful refereeing and I stand by it. I mean, there is nothing more to say about that than VAR stands for very awful refereeing because it ain't the system and the technology, is it? It's um, goal line technology works. The lines that you put up seem to work. The uh, system seems to replay it quite well. <laughs> so it isn't the technology, is it? It's certainly the people making the decisions on it. So I've never been a fan of it. I didn't want it in in the first place. I loved goal line technology because it was quite black or white. It's either gone over the line or it ain't gone over the line. And it shows you. Uh, you can't do black or white with, this, with these decisions, with technology. So there's always going to be uh, problems with it. There's always going to be grey areas and there's always going to be inconsistencies. And that's exactly what we've seen. I'd like to see what would be happening if those tackles were Arsenal players. I'd like to have seen Gabriel or Laconga putting those sort of tackles in. Would we have got a yellow? Would we have got a red? That would have told you all we need to know about the corruption of Arsenal Football Club and the refereeing and officiating. Now, I will say this. We're Arsenal fans. Well, if biased. Done, if Shaq had done that, he'd be off. Off, straight away. Off, red card. He wouldn't be able to wait to get yeah. it out. 100%. Yeah. Now, Granite Chaka is yeah. a bad example because Granite Chaka uh, uh, deserves that. He's earned his right to be sent off because he's an idiot. <laughs> but some of the other some of the other players that we would have been doing it, like a Gabriel maybe or a Kieran Tierney, then not so much. But they would have been off. Couldn't wait to get a red card out, this referee, I'm sure. So it is interesting to see the inconsistencies within Arsenal. All I will say is this. I don't see this in other leagues. So it's and they've got the same technology and they've got the same footballs, they've got the same football pitches, they've got different players, but 11 are on either side. Um, I don't see it in the Champions League, I don't see it in the Europa League, I don't see it in the World Cup or the Euros, but I do see it in the Premier League, and that's poor officiating. It's inconsistencies in every single weekend of football, and you'll always compare two games. Never one incident, you'll always look at that incident and go, that was the exact same incident in the Palace game, nothing happened. And then from that Palace game, I saw an offside that was given that should never have been given offside, because the one in the Everton game wasn't. We shouldn't be talking about this every weekend, but we are. The officiating is nothing short of shambolic, mate. The, the, officials, the officials got no leadership. They answer to no one. And they've got the biggest corrupt referee in charge of them all, in Riley, who, who, who we all know about Riley at Old Trafford. You know, we all know what he did. And while they answer to no one, they, they won't improve. They won't improve. And for me, for me, we get rid of VAR for me. I know it will never happen, but 
if a referee's on a field and he makes a decision and it's a wrong decision, I'll call him all the names under the sun. But if he's on his own in the heat of the moment and he makes a mistake, I can make a case for human error. I can make a case for human error. But when I've got a referee and two referees in a VAR room and two assistant referees, so that's five of them, and they're giving penalties like that one Liverpool got against Palace. And I'm not picking on Liverpool. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on Liverpool. When they're giving penalties you could, you, like you that, could use the man. You could use the Man United Villa one as well. You could use the Man yeah, United Villa one. Four, four minutes. To come. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I've never... Just get rid of it. Because if... Firstly, if it is corrupt, I'm not saying it is, but if it is corrupt, getting rid of VAR stops that. And it also stops us fans getting on the getting on, on, on their backs all the time. So if a ref's on the field on his own and he makes a bad decision, I'll call him out. But I'll, in the back of my head, I'll be thinking he's on his own, on the pitch, human error. It happens. But not with all these people. There's more to it. Danny, your thoughts on VAR? Does it give you an opportunity to compromise the game? It's... Uh... There's so many betting companies involved in uh, funding football and the, the, the referee, the PGMRL are answerable to nobody. They, You're not allowed to go and see the referee until what, 15, 20 minutes after the game. You look how quickly the Aston Villa Man United goal was, oh, checking VAR, yep, that's a goal. You're, thinking, you're looking back at it going, there's no way that was onside. That, that was that's impossible. And then you see the Liverpool one with Crystal Palace where Jota just goes, oh, look, I've lost the ball, right. Go and lean into the goalkeeper, get a penalty. He should have got booked for that, and he didn't get booked for it. And we just see it over and over again. And I would get—I didn't want VAR in the first place. Football is a game of moments. Football is not NFL. It is not a thing where you can have constant breaks from it. And it's just—I don't want to see it. It's ruining the game, and it will kill the game. But then I've had—I've seen people, I've read articles of people saying the amount of involvement that Sky TV, who have their own betting people. Um, the Sky Sports betting, and then the amount of uh, other betting companies, they're far too involved in the sponsorship and the running, and uh, got, everyone's got their finger in the pies. And then the, even now, you've got ex-referees, I think it was Keith Hackett has an article, and he said in his article, said something along the lines of, yet again, I find myself um, criticising referees who have blatantly got it wrong, and nothing has been done about it. And this is happening over and over again. And, it, and the only teams that seem to be getting it, they're getting away with it, Liverpool, Man United, Man City, and occasionally Chelsea. No one else is getting the rub of the green. Thing is, Danny, it was it was bought in to be less controversial. It's made it so much more controversial. It's killing the it game. Really has it really has the last couple of seasons. It's been all. We can't even sell it. Only this new one. I'm doing my best not to swear, Fergus. That new offside thing where they don't even tell you it's offside until 30 seconds later yeah. when the break. Yeah. Who, who thought that was a good idea? Horrendous. Game, football is your team scores. You celebrate. Now, if your team scores, you think, I don't want to look at all. I'm not going to celebrate. 30 seconds later, there you go. It's a goal. All right. Thank you. The party's over and done. The the party poppers have gone. Andy Fink puts up here, uh, 1989, Mickey Thomas, VAR would have um, diluted the delirium that it was. And you could imagine it going to VAR for offside and everything else. It would have been cancelled. Yeah. Um, Listen... Right, just to sum this up, Fergus, Danny's Danny's made some lovely points here. Thank but you. But for me at the moment, football, football matches, some football matches are not being decided by the quality of the players on the field. They're being they're being they're being won or lost by the lack of quality of the referee on the field. 
right? So football isn't winning all football matches. The lack of quality of referees is winning football matches. And, and Danny used the word and he's bang on. That in some cases, and, and eventually will make football unwatchable because we, we pay our money and we pay a lot of money to watch footballers play football, win football matches. At the current time, there are matches, referees influence it that much. They actually win the games and they win the games for the wrong teams. And nothing gets done. No. Um, for the people who are watching us live, uh, I hope you really enjoyed the show because I think with all the comments of um, uh, various TV companies and betting companies, this probably get pulled down uh, <laughs> a bit later on. <laughs> um, listen, um, before I do the final bit, uh, I wanted to talk about uh, at the end of the game against Burnley, um, there was some booing from a very small section, but uh, still a reasonably noisy section of the fan base on Sunday. Um, Trevor again mentioned that he'd like to discuss this as well. So like some fans booed after the Burnley game. Should you ever boo your team or should you ever boo a team member? We can tie in Shaka, October 29th, 2019. You know, when the Emirates, everybody apparently in the Emirates was booing him. Everybody, Dan, me, you, we were there. We're booing, we're booing Shaka because we're nasty people. Uh, I wasn't booing him. I was screaming at him to get off the bloody pitch. Um, but Trev, should uh, sh should you ever boo uh, your team or your players? No, not for me. You shouldn't, Fergus. I mean, I've spent I've spent a lot of this podcast tonight calling out, you know, Eddie and Ketchier and calling out Lacker, but they, they, even Xhaka. But they're still players and they play for my football team, and so I don't boo them. I may talk about them on here and with me mates and say, look, they're not. I don't rate them, or they're not done this, or not done that. But on, in that 90 minutes, on that football field, you won't find me booing them. I didn't boo Xhaka that night. I shouted a bit of abuse at him to get off the field. And I didn't use those words, obviously. But, you know, and I suppose that's as good as booing in a way. Would you mind I, leaving the field, please? <laughs> I've never booed. Yeah, that, yeah that, was the, that was what I was aiming to say, Danny, but I used different words, mate. <laughs> but no, I, don't, I won't boo my players because... They, even though they're not very good, some of them, they're playing for Arsenal or support the Arsenal. A lot of people don't have that view and I can see why they don't. But you ask me and that's my view. Danny? was, yeah. Oh, um, um, what were we talking about? A boo, boo, right? boo. Uh, no, I, I was just, I'm just looking for something that Gav tweeted earlier about Arteta later. Um, I've never booed a team. I've In my entire life, I've only left one game early. Uh, Barnet would have been smashed 5-1 five, five, by York. I don't boo my own players. I shout at them, make all them, say, what the FNL did you do there? What are you doing? Sort your life out. I once screamed at Dennis Bergkamp to sort his life out. He signed a new contract and went on to be a legend. But I would never boo my own players. If you want to boo them, it's up to you. But uh, I, I, I just wouldn't do it. wouldn't feel right. Potsy, um, booing players. And then I want to go on to one other topic. And I know you a couple of bits you want to talk sure. about as well. Uh, just quickly, um, a lot of people know me, know that I'm not very happy at the moment with what's going on at Arsenal. I will never boo players. I know people around me do it. Um, I haven't got anything against them doing it because I believe it's their right as to support the club how they want to support the club. Um, it's not something I agree with. I would never do it. 
But I suppose if you were at a meal and it came out rotten, you'd probably um, want to boo the chef. So I suppose if you pay a lot of money to watch a football game, you're probably going to boo the players if you're not happy with them. So everyone's entitled to their opinion to show and express their feeling um, if that is how they believe they want to support their football club. But it's not something that I would um, believe or get behind. It's certainly not something that me or my dad have ever done in um, in over 25 years of going to watch the Arsenal. So it's not something I condone. But it's up to different fans. The final topic I want to talk about, and we're going to keep this reasonably brief because this could go on for bloody hours, and we have half covered it already, is is the Arteta situation. So uh, myself and I know Trevor are, uh, we're very much more um, giving Arteta a lot more time um, and, you know, supporting the team and the regime uh, in in the regime, I mean personally, uh, Arteta, uh, in the rebuilding and the process he's gone through right through. We we said until this transfer window, but COVID type of put it off, and we could see, I could see uh, some progress being made from the last transfer window to this one. So, for me personally, I'm behind him until the end of May. Although I am very worried, I'd like to understand. Uh, your view on what he's achieved, your thoughts on his longevity, his management and his culture, what he's done about the culture of the club. And Trev, can I come to you first? Because then we've got one side of the fence and I know uh, Potsy, clearly we know your view and I know Danny, you're probably more on the, the Potsy side than than mine and Trevor's side, I think. <laughs> I don't know, I've assumed there. <laughs> you want me to answer that? I'll, I'll keep no, it. No, 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 we've got to pop, go through got this pop- again. I mean, I can't pop- go through all the getting rid of all the players again. Not talking about it again. No, 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 no. But uh, yeah, not, not the players thing. But um, uh, Trev first. Right. For, I, firstly, I use the word a lot on this podcast, but I've got to use it again now. What we're going to say is all speculation about what Arteta's done and what he hasn't done behind the scenes. We can see what's happening on the field, but from from. Positive for me, he's definitely cleared out of Deadwood and we definitely look a better football inside when we play well, yeah? He talks well, he appears to get on well with with everybody, so that's positives. What I can't work out at the moment is that some of his substitutions in particular baffle me a little bit. If you can have them youngsters on the bench, use them. I think he's probably getting pressure from other places, once again speculating, because he's cleared all these players out, as we've mentioned, and not brought anybody in. Um, and 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 this is, just to finish it off, with, with Arteta, this is where it starts making me think back to Wenger, you know. Because afterwards, we heard about Wenger, and Wenger was saying that he didn't say nothing at the time, but he had his arms tied. You know, he had to do this, he had to do that. But if that's happening with Mikel now, Mikel needs to tell us. Mikel needs to look after himself and tell us exactly if he's getting any pressure from outside quarters that stop him doing his job because at the moment I'm a bit baffled he still has me faith I hope we're not going to have a transfer window like we used to have towards the end of Wenger's reign where 10 seconds before the end of the transfer window we bought in a couple of bang average players that were never going to be stars and wasted money um, I hope that's not the case so he's still got my support I am a bit baffled he's still got lots to do If he gets the support, I'm sure he'll do it. I'm not sure he's getting the support behind the scenes from the upper echelons of the club. That's where my worries lie most at the moment in hindrance to Arteta. Danny, um, do you want to give your tuppence on this uh, situation? 
Oh dear. Um, I don't want to be too quick to criticise because before before last summer's transfer window, we were all down on Arteta and Edu, and they did wonders. I don't want to go pointing fingers and saying this isn't good enough, that isn't good enough. You're a shambles. But Arteta is doing himself no favours. I mean, he's got a, he, he's won sixty and not won fifty four of his games. The number of times we played defensive football and all these other things that are going on with that, you've got to wonder why isn't if he has a, a, a vision, then it's, it's taking his time to get there. How can he allow people to leave and not replace them and then put his own job in jeopardy because he hasn't replaced them? And the whole Mourinho thing with Xhaka and Roma last summer, I mean, that was an absolute, absolute farce for the sake of what was it, an extra five million. The bloke should have been gone. I mean, I like Xhaka. I like the way he, he gets stuck in. But he is his heart isn't with the... He knows his future isn't at Arsenal. And when you have a whole group of players who know their future isn't with the club, like, ironically, at the moment, we've all gone off, they've all gone off to Dubai. And the one player who isn't going to Dubai is the one who keeps buggering off to Dubai. He's been told, Aubameyang's been told to stay at Arsenal. Uh, that just, there you go. That sums up Arsenal at the moment. And uh, it's, I, just, I just wait. I have to wait. There's, we're never going to find out. They're never going to let us know. And there's nothing we can do about it apart from sit here and put up with it. Dan. So the topics to cover in your couple of sentences and then we'll go into the other last little bits are what he's achieved, your thoughts on his longevity, his management style, say, and how he deals with the culture. So Danny ended on something which I absolutely 100% agree with. Um, doesn't really matter what my opinions are or how my, much I rant and rave about not being able to trust the process of an owner that I really do not trust um, because the owners trust the board the board trusts the uh, manager uh, and the fans love the manager so this manager will come 12th this year and he'll still be here so there's no point of us raving and ranting saying he's going to get sacked because he isn't um, I personally feel we're going to have a shocker again I think we're going to come 7th or 8th depending if we beat Wolves if we lose to Wolves I think we'll look towards 8th if we can beat Wolves I think that we might get 7th but we shouldn't be anywhere near that with this side. We've spent £250 million. We've got one game a week. We're out of Europe. And if we're coming out of Europe, we've got to go for that Champions League. And the Champions League door is widely open. Um, Tottenham have a chance because they've got Conte. Manchester United are all over the place. Uh, in my opinion, West Ham are there by team spirit and team spirit only because they've got a quality side, but the team spirit is lifting them with a chance of sneaking into that top four, but I don't think they'll make it. So if Manchester United and Spurs finish above us, that's poor for me this season. When I look at what they've got and I look at the situation of our team, if Spurs get it, it's because they've got a better manager than us because they ain't got a better team than us. If Manchester United get it, it's because they've got a better manager than us because I don't think they've got a better first 11 than us. I think they've got five players, Manchester United, that I'd look at and go, oh, they look quite tasty. But I don't look at any of the others and I wouldn't touch Fred and McTominay. I wouldn't touch Maguire. I wouldn't touch Lindelof. I wouldn't go near Shearer or Wan-Bissaka. I don't really want Bruno Fernandes. Uh, sorry, Bruno Fernandes is the only one that I would look at uh, alongside Mason Greenwood and, of course, Cristiano Ronaldo. Uh, I think Jaden Sancho is a player that's been mismanaged, but then I'm starting to struggle after that. Tottenham have got Kane and Son, then I'm struggling after that. West Ham have got Declan Rice and maybe Suchek, then I'm struggling after that, maybe Jared Bowen. So really, I look at them and I think, if I can only take three or four players from those, it must mean Arsenal have got the better eleven. Now, if we did have had the weakest squad, I'd say, do you know what? Our squad ain't strong enough. We're in four competitions. We ain't got a chance. But actually, we've got a really good first eleven, in my opinion. And if people don't think it's a good first eleven, then they must not be 
very impressed with the signings, but I have been. So I look at what's realistic, <clears throat> and I think personally that top four is realistic because all of the other teams around us are shambles. The reason I don't think we're going to get it is because the manager is nowhere near good enough. And I think that we are in a situation where a lot of us on this podcast have been very consistent. Um, I've been really consistent with... I've stuck to my guns. I don't like him. I don't want him here. And I never wanted him in the first place. I wanted Simeone or Conte and everyone said we won't get him. And then when Conte went or to Rafa. Spurs, everyone... Or Rafa. Yeah. Everyone everyone, <laughs> said, everyone, soon went quiet when Conte went to Spurs. It was like, oh, he's never going to come to Arsenal, Conte. <laughs> and then he went to Spurs and everyone went, oh, crap. Yeah, we could have got him. Um, so I think that we need to be uh, realistic there. When I look at the other managers in this league that are doing better than Mikel Arteta with a worse squad, it's quite worrying how many there are. Um, Patrick Vieira with Palace. I mean, unless you think Palace have got a better side than Arsenal. Um, I've been well impressed. Graham Potter at Brighton. Ralph Hasenhutl with Southampton. Bruno Larg with uh, Wolves. Um, Thomas Frank with Brentford. They haven't got the, the players we've got. And look at how well they're doing. So this guy is just not but, up to but, it, in but, my opinion. Okay, you you, you look at uh, Potter, you look at Frank, you look at um, uh, uh, um, a couple of the others that you mentioned there, and they have built a culture, and they've got a young, small squad that have built on. And I think, in Arteta's defence, that is what he's trying to do and get back to. And the do you know core. what, Ferg? Uh, You're absolutely spot on. So one thing I've been consistent about is wanting this process to be flawed and, and saying the art that Arteta and Edu and all this not a lot right. Do you know what one thing I've been consistent about positively? What they've done off the field. I think it's great. I absolutely love some of the signings the that come in. I love the clear out. The culture change is fantastic. I love the fact that, you know, the, the players I'm looking at, I'm liking them again. You know, I'm, there's no Mustafis, there's no Urzels, there's no Chak. Well, there is Chakas, but they're, they're, some of the players we've not had previously, I, I wasn't. Yeah, let's hope not, not for long. Um, I personally like what I'm seeing at Arsenal in terms of the playing stuff. But I need to see results on the pitch. This is a results business. And for every um, performance that there is that you start to think we've turned the corner, there's always an Everton away. For every Manchester City performance that you think is great, you've got to remember we still lost that game. And trust me, there's a Burnley game coming not far after it. We've been knocked out of both the cup competitions and we're out of everything because we weren't in Europe to start with. And for me, if he's going to keep his job and try to convince me that actually he deserves another season, it's if he gets top four. If it ain't top four, thanks so much, mate. You've tried your hardest. I know you love Arsenal and I know you're giving it your best shot, but we ain't got time to waste, mate. We've already had 16 years. I don't want another six-year process. Because by then, Ferg, so, in six years, Saka Smith Rowe and Martinelli, trust me, they won't be here. They'll be at Manchester City or Newcastle in five years if we're I, doing this. In two or three years, I, I, I get that. Yeah, listen, he is currently in um, uh, in Colorado. Um, uh, Arteta is seeing Silent Stan, who uh, was also at the um, uh, at the LA Rams for the the, the playoffs, um, but he can't be asked to come to see the mighty Arsenal. Um, I cannot stand the man. I don't want to have anything to do with my, my club and I want him to, to sell. Uh, Dan, you were going to uh, talk yeah. about this. Go on. Well, I just wanted to... It was more a question, really, if I'm honest with you. 
what does this mean? It was my question. Does this mean he's gone there and he says, I need money, Stan? Does this mean Stan's invited him there to have a chat with him about bad results? Does this mean that they're going to get together to say, look, you come to, to see what how I do things and this is what I do in America? There's so many rumours flying out there. Oh, he's going to get sacked. Oh, he's gone there because he's, he's going to tell Stan I want money. Oh, he's gone there because Stan's going to show him the ropes. What do we think? Me, me, my, me, me personally, me personally, I don't think he's out there to get sacked. I don't think uh, Stan's going to show him the ropes. I don't think anything like that. I think he's out there. He's been invited uh, out there because we've got some time off uh, and the team are going to go to Dubai and the transfer window is coming up and it's to uh, say we lost out in Vlahovic. Um, you need to put your hand in your pocket and we need to go balls out and, and, and get some. That's what I think. Trevor, what do you think that that picture of um, Arteta says to you look right Arteta won't be telling Stan what to do right Arteta won't be telling Stan what to do from my experience in in all kinds of industry at management level it's mid-season like mid-year Stan's asked him to go over there to do a mid-year review they'll talk about the good the bad the ugly they'll talk about the future the the plans the past but what is what the what the crossing the t's and the dotting the i's are into that we don't know, but it, it's a mid-season review. It, that's what they do, and uh, we can all read stuff into it. And I'm hoping that Arteta has gone over there and said, "Stan, we need we need a bit more money. We need the one last push. We're nearly there. We're not far off. One last push." Because Dan, you know what I mean. I completely differ in some ways to Dan's view, right? But you have to respect what Dan's saying and. And the more you see it, the more you have to respect what Dan's saying. I don't necessarily agree with him 100% yet. But what really, really confuses and infuriates me, right, is the fact that we're not a bad side. We know we are capable of fantastic football performances. We know we have the, the squad there to win any game they play in. But a lot of the time, we don't see a, a committed or or a full-on performance out of our side. So when you know that the players are good enough, but they're not doing it all the time, you do have to look at what else might be causing that to happen. You know, you do have to think about it. And Dan's right; you do have to think about that. But as for the stand, as for for um for um Mikel over with Stan, there's a break in the in the in the fixture season because we were useless in the cups. There's a couple of weeks where we're doing nothing. Stan has said to Mikel Arteta, come over, mid-year review. I'm going to do your review. You're going to tell me what, what you'd like to see. I'm going to tell you what I want. And then you're going to go back there and, and manage the football club. Any more than that? Who knows? And I'll just say as well quickly that someone's just made a great, a great uh, comment in there. And I bet this is right. He's gone over there to negotiate a new contract. I bet that is what it is, you know. I bet that is what it is. He's going to get off the new contract. I can't, this happens. Rest in peace, Arsenal Football Club. I'll tell you that now. I, I, I can't see a new contract being negotiated or offered at this moment in time. The new contract, if if negotiated, might be, but if offered, will not come unless it hit, he hits the benchmarks of getting European football, even if it is Europa League at the minimum uh, at, by the end of the season. There is no way that um, well, put it this way, if, if if Arsenal offer him a contract right now, no matter how pro or anti you are, uh, Arteta, you should not be offering a, a guy a contract at this very moment in, uh, moment in time. Apparently, uh, one of our Arsenal targets that we're, we're after 
um, has, uh, let me just share this with you guys. Uh, Fabrizio Romano has yeah, said that, about this. <clears throat> Bruno Gamares. Um, that uh, Newcastle have put in a £36 million, a €40 million uh, euro, uh, bid on the table. What's the chances <laughs> an Arsenal target, though, another one that we're going to lose? Go and get him. Go and get him. Go and get him, Edu. What are we doing? You're Brazilian. Go and get him. Fabrizio Romano, is just, and he's very good, by the way, Fabrizio Romano, very reliable, has just said that he could be going to Newcastle. If Leon are wanting to accept for that much money, €40 million, euros, why, go, and put, go and get him. Just go and get the guy. He's a massive upgrade on Chaka. His stats are unreal in Ligue 1. He's going to be a brilliant partner for Thomas Party. This kid is just what we need. Go and get him. I thought it was a summer move. If it looks to me like Leon are in so much debt, they need money. Newcastle will link with Basuma and Bruno Gomorraez, two players that we look at that we need. Go and get Bruno Gomorraez, even if it means they get Basuma. Bruno Gomorraez is a guy that I think personally would, would give us that upgrade on Granite Chaka. Um, so I think that is something that 100% uh, needs to happen personally. I just want to answer a couple of things in the chat, Ferg, if that's all right, because there's a couple of people that are asking some questions. And I just want to say, Terry, I don't know if that's Terry Greenwood, is it? But Terry's put, um, damn, Potsy wasn't around in the 70s. The reason is you can't compare this to the 70s. I hope it is. Is it Big Terry? Yeah, 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 there yeah. we go. Dan Potsy wasn't around in the in the seventies. Now I weren't around in the seventies, Terry. But the reason you can't compare it to the seventies is because in the seventies we didn't have a shiny new stadium called the Emirates. Stan Kroenke weren't around, and we weren't sold a dream that we were going to be competing with Real Madrid and Barcelona. So we can't compare it to the seventies. Unfortunately, we have to compare it to the reason that we actually went to the Emirates. And the other one is Heath saying, "Oh, um, we've got a young team, and it takes time." I totally agree with you, mate. It takes time, which is why I don't trust the process because we need it now. I don't want it in six years' time. And trust me, in six years, I won't win the league under Mikel Arteta with this young team so that's what I'm wanting to happen I want to be competing with not just Tottenham and Man United for fourth I want to be making sure we're competing with the big boys and the only way to do that is to raise the standards of the football club as this fan base and get this owner out and get somebody in who can actually take us forward that's ruthless like Roman Abramovich style owner because without that we're, I won't see Arsenal win in my lifetime, let alone Trev's. Sorry, Trev, I love you, mate. But <laughs> yeah, it, it, it might be debatable on Trev's anyway. So, like you know, <laughs> just to just to follow up on that, and then and then I know we're done. Yeah, we did have expectations in the seventies, Dan. We had massive expectations, right? But we took the failure better, not because we're different people. We took the failure better because there wasn't social media. Right? Mm. The, the failure came easier. We had expectations every season, trust me, especially after the start of the 70s. And after 72, we went through, we went to 78 doing nothing really, you know. So we did have expectations, but we didn't have social media to make those expectations. So, and, and the last... The last thing I was gonna, is, just gonna say, I was just going to say, Trevor. I suppose in the seventies, as you say, with social media, you didn't have your sort of DT troops, whatever those, those sort of characters, which are all over social media right now. You did have them; they were in the pub. You would have one of your mates who lost his head every week and gone, "That referee, Bertie, me, he doesn't know uh, that manager hasn't got a clue." But it, it, it didn't get shared with millions of people. It got shared among so, your own people. We were all the same. We were all the same. We all had the view that Potsy's got, that Danny's got, that you've got, that I've got. But it, that, that view reached your 10 mates in the pub, not like mm. 
the 10 million on socials. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, And what you're right there is spot on there, Trev. I think what I was meaning was when you've got an owner that says we're going to go to the Emirates because we're going to be, you know, competing with the the big boys and we've got this plan and process. We didn't have that promise in the 70s. So when we're eighth, I can't sit there and say this is progress. When I was told we were going to compete with Bayern Munich and Barcelona, unless, of course, they got their B-wrongs and they meant Burnley and Brighton. Perhaps that's what they meant. <laughs> we didn't even beat there. <laughs> Trev, do you want to finish up on what you're saying? And I got to Danny and then we'll close. Yeah, don't forget that Cronky has, has wrapped a lot of people around his fingers. I, I, even Dennis Hillwood spoke highly of Cronky. You know, he came into the club on a massive high. But just, I want to finish because I want to go around everyone, including you, Fergus, right? I'm taking the lead here for 10 seconds. Dan said <laughs> progress this season will be top four, right? For me, Progress this season will be top six. We'll be getting into Europe. I won't say I'll be happy, but I will see progress. I'll be watching my football team play in Europe and we'll finish higher in the league. So top six for me would, would see me satisfied. Uh, for, me, for, for me, this season, um, I said top four was the objective. Top six would have been the minimum requirement. Um, and it hasn't changed. I think we need to have European football. I said, but fundamentally, uh, on top of those, uh, the main caveat is we finish above Spurs as well. Um, we got to finish above Spurs because uh, I cannot go down my local pub and walk around this place with another bloody one of them just going, yeah, yeah we finished above you. You know, they've, they've won back all for years. And, and, and yeah, Danny, your, 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 your requirement for this year? Uh, go get Brook Guamares. He's six foot tall, 24 years old, just starting to play for Brazil, a defensive midfielder, exactly what we need. Um, and for, for the rest of this season, um, I bet you that if you could, I'm not a Marvel fan, you go get Doctor Strange, you go and get all the different timelines, and you put each of the Premier League managers in charge of this Arsenal team for the whole of this season, Arteta wouldn't have that team in the top 10 results. There's so many other managers that must be looking at that going, Saka, uh, Martinelli, Smith Rowe and all the all the defence and Ramsdale looking at that and going, my God, how is he not performing with that team? And it is we can pick little bits out of it and go, this is good, that is good. But when it all comes to it, it is not good enough. He is not doing what he should be doing with that team. He's done some good stuff, like like Dan was saying, getting rid of the dead wood and some good performances. But if he doesn't, if he if he hasn't sorted this out by the end of the season, you and Arsenal are not going to get. Remember the Leicester title. That was the chance. Everyone else was falling around. This is another season where every position is up for grabs apart from first and second. And we are not going to get another season like this. We're going to see Newcastle come in strong. And if they don't go down, which I don't think they will, then the next two or three seasons, we'll be talking, if we're lucky, if we get top six. We we are never going to win the Premier League again unless now is the time that we take it to fight with the big teams and get the best players. Because we've got the back, we've got the defence, we've got nine or ten really good players. We need 15 decent, really good players to do anything. And unless we get that now, we're never going to do it. Football's broken. Danny, very briefly, uh, Potsy, very, very briefly, your thoughts on... Uh, I think I've made it clear that top four, top four... Top four for me is progress. Um, yeah. I don't see tops. I don't see seventh or sixth as uh, as progress at all. If I'm honest, a lot of people will say, "Oh, but we come eighth the last year." Uh, yeah, we were in Europe and we had a worse squad last year. Um, we are a better team now, and we don't have Europe. We've got one game a week, and if we do not get in the top four, then Mikel Arteta needs to go. Okay. Exactly the same. Um, 
If you want to see um, Trevor very drunk, 19th of February, the Blackstock uh, <laughs> Arms. <laughs> uh, Raiders it's good of fun the night. Trevor's very on. drunk. It's funny. <laughs> um, Trev messes me this and goes, fuck, 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 19th of February. Uh, I haven't even broached it with the wife yet. So riders I, of the night, not Raiders. Ri- riders, r- yeah, yeah, Riders of the night. Mate, I, I'm tired. I'm dyslexic and Irish. So, uh, Tre- Trevor, tell, tell everyone, uh, you're going to be there, I take it. Of course, I'm going to be there. I booked an hotel. They're brilliant. If you, if you, if you're an Arsenal fan and you've never heard Riders of the Night, you need to get there and and watch them. It's proper Arsenal. It's a proper night. It's loud. It's raucous, and it's Arsenal. And uh, I love it. Absolutely love it, mate. And I'll be there. Uh, what's it? The Arsenal Tavern, isn't it, on the 19th of February after the Brentford game. Yeah, can't wait. Uh, guys, uh, thank you very much. Uh, if you haven't noticed, we haven't been on Facebook, we haven't been on Twitter, we haven't been on all the other channels. We'd purely be on uh, YouTube tonight. Uh, thank you for all those people who normally watch us on those platforms who've come across. This is probably where we're going to stay uh, and just make it easier because I find it better with everybody chatting on the one platform uh, in the chat along the side as well so everyone can get to know each other because we do have a regular bunch of people that seem to come and uh, watch us. Uh, if you do like what we do on, on the YouTube channel, click the like and subscribe uh, and then you'll get the reminders when our show comes out dan uh, tell everyone where they can uh, find you potsy uh if you want to follow me um on instagram now as well but um been on oh, twitter Jesus. for longer i know uh, apparently instagram is where it's at not that i'm really on it much but there we go uh it's at dan arsenal 87 if you do fancy following me uh i'm on the same old arsenal and uh, lee judges td as well so um if you do fancy following us over there then please do so Danny, Burkamp Wonderland, tell everybody how to follow and subscribe and when you're on next and what you're doing. Uh, next show is going to be tomorrow night. Uh, so far, it's just me and uh, and James. might get a couple of others on. And uh, that's uh, The AFC Podcast on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's quite a lot. Our Carl is doing loads of really decent tweets. I've done bugger all with that for years and years. But Carl likes to do some nice interactive tweets with people. And uh, you don't want to follow me on Twitter because I just annoy you. <laughs> true <laughs> Trev as always thank you very much uh, it's been great and you've been good with the old um, mouse and putting up the, the message you're doing really well right, we'll, we'll make it can you make Potsy give Scully his hat back before he comes on again please? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That I've, missed, I've missed Scully as well <laughs> on that note guys it's been brilliant thank you very much for everyone who's tuned in thank you guys for joining uh, up the Pleasure. Arsenal you've been listening to Guns and Yellow Ribbons an Arsenal podcast by Arsenal fans for Arsenal fans follow us on Facebook at Guns and Yellow Ribbons and Twitter at Guns and Ribbons and remember to rate and review us too 